Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to 77 Minutes, the Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that spent our offseason in Seattle, drinking Japanese whiskey, going to some, uh, some nice dining spots, you know? Anybody ever heard of campus? You mean not working? We're the only Mavs <laughs> podcast that didn't work all summer. <laughs> that's that's, shout that's out what to I was the, implying. Shout out to the hardworking Mavs pods out there. I saw you guys Seriously. at Media Day. But uh, hey, I'm... Respect I'm, it. I'm, it's I, I'm allowed to have a vacation. It's allowed. It's yeah, allowed. absolutely. Nobody's We've all been that. working hard. Yeah. yeah. So I'm Tim Cato. I think I said that, but uh, I'm out of rhythm. So you got to bear with me as I work back into uh, regular season form. Uh, we've got Dave Dufour, who's always in regular season form. What's up, Dave? I, I, I don't know about stocked, that. I, you got to say something else, though. I, I'm very much in like voluntary off-season workout mode right now like i i can't believe media day is here much less training camp much less preseason we're recording this on on what tuesday the 28th preseason starts five days Ugh. i mean i mean i would know not gross but mavericks practice today the start of training camp which just feels i don't know man Time, time just keeps moving, right? We're back. We're all back. Ain't that crazy? Uh, we also have Mike Pellucci, of course, our our loving, lovable co-host, who is always employed by D Magazine. True, and and I, I've I've not been in off season for my off season's over. It's uh, last night. I was up till one thirty in the morning writing about the Cowboys and back at it again for other stuff. So. So, so ready, usually, guys. usually we're just going to say Any, anything hey, interesting he, going on with the Cowboys, or <laughs> this is not a cow- actually. I am putting. I am absolutely putting my foot down. This is not a Cowboys podcast. No. We are not going to talk about the Cowboys. If you want to put my foot down, if you want to do that, listen to about them Cowboys. Great show. <laughs> Great show. A lot of homies um, on there. Love them all. I, so, so, so usually, usually I'm just gonna just gonna shout out that uh, that you do work at D Magazine now. Uh, I do. We are super super excited that you are. Uh, still, able, still doing the podcast with us. Um, but just real quick, thirty seconds, forty-five seconds. Like you guys launch, you guys officially launched the yeah. sports vertical for D Magazine. Yep. You do write about the Mavericks. Uh, yep. You write about all Dallas sports. Uh, and when I say you, I mean you, but also a a highly impressive staff of uh of well, thank uh, you. freelancers and 
Freelancers, I guess that's the right word. Freelan- yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if you're an, if you're an athletic you'll recognize a few names from, you know, Jay so. Kemp, Dorothy Gentry, uh, the great Jamie Newberg, who is also still working for The Athletic, doing some Ranger stuff with us. If you're a Mavs fan, is Talk Franco of Mavs Moneyball, who's a freaking genius with uh, with all things Mavs related. The great Zach Crane is be doing a lot of Mavs stuff for us. Uh, one of the best journalists in the whole damn city on anything. Uh, Zach's doing stuff. He wrote, he wrote about Frank Nilakina last week. We're going to talk about Frankie. So we've got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Big sports, so, small sports. I wrote about Dale Hansen. I was with him for his last broadcast going into retirement. That was a whole thing. We were doing a lot well, of stuff. So, so when, they, yeah. when, they say, when they say Texas, uh, everything's bigger here. What True. they mean is that our Mavericks coverage is bigger than anybody else's. I don't even know if that's remotely true, but the point I'm making is there's plenty of room. Dear Mavericks fan listening to this right now, there is plenty of room to read The Athletic and catch a few D-Magazine stories on the side. So Absolutely. There is so More much room, and I would, I would definitely man. encourage both. So. Yeah. Fellas, um, I disagree. Just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Get out. Leave, Dave. The, Sorry. We, only read The Athletic. Podcast. You can only read The Athletic. Okay. True company okay. man before. <laughs> and D magazine. So, I'll, so we've I'll a, allow one exception. Thanks. Bro. We have not podcasted in a few weeks. Um, like I said, I was on vacation for most of September. Went to New York and Seattle. Took some time just here in Dallas. But we're back. Training camp starts this week. And I think we'll be back on a fairly regular schedule. Might not record next week, but probably the one after. And certainly back on a weekly schedule when the season officially gets going do you guys have any thoughts on training camp on just where the mavericks stand right now in terms of everything i'd say that the 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 couple things that i took out of um media day which i unfortunately couldn't be at physically because was still coming back from seattle the wedding i was at was a was a wedding of my of my co-worker the great rosen indeed and shout out d magazine's online dining editor who is we love rosen and we and we love and we love nick um her now husband mazel tov but the things i took out of media day um i'd say mostly outside of vaccination rate stuff which i I don't think we need to touch on it, it was it was mostly the idea that they're really pushing luca and his ability and involvement to get his teammates involved and vis-a-vis be on the ball a little bit less or at least be be more willing to give it up in certain situations that's how i read into those uh various statements from various people and i also think that the announcement that porzingis is going to have a bit more freedom is going to play the four now him playing the four is not different uh, most of the past two years, Chris Stapps has started next to a center, or, or at least a majority of the games he has started next to a center. And I think that's fine. I think that's fine. But how do we feel about both those things? That Luca is, um, you know, someone who who needs to spread the ball around, and that Porzingis is someone who may get more post up touches, may get more mid rangers, may just get more freedom within this offense uh, than he did under Rick Carlisle. I mean, I'll go with the second part first, because for me, that was what stood out a lot more. Um, and it wasn't just the freedom. It was how the freedom was framed. I mean, there were some not-so-subtle references, both from Porzingis and from Jason Kidd. Two, I mean, two specifically. I mean, this is this is intuitive, right? If you're changing your role, that means it's different from last year. But there were some very pointed references to not standing in the corner and shooting threes and just being out on an island, right? You could tell Porzingis was ready for a change. Uh, and I think 
the commonality with both both of these things is, all right, let's see how this goes in practice. We could sit here and say, sure, Luka is going to pass the ball more, and sure, Kristaps is going to be more of a multidimensional offensive threat. But when the bullets are flying and we are in close games and Luka Doncic looks around and sees nobody resembling an all-NBA talent next to him, is Luka really going to do that? Should Luka even do that? For that matter... Hell no! Hell no! <laughs> so like, why are we pretend? Like, don't even pretend otherwise. This is the thing. Did they go out and get a guy who could stir the drink? I, I mean, I think Tim Hardaway. Look, Tim Hardaway is a very nice player. He's a great shooter, and he's okay when when the ball's in his hands and you don't have anybody else. I actually thought some of the lineups with him and Brunson, like that, was actually a, a, a decent tandem. But there's just not somebody else that you're going to be like, okay, well, Luca, give it up, let someone else cook a little bit, and you play off the ball, and and maybe you get that, you know, you're a release valve or something. I, I just there just isn't that guy, and even Porzingis isn't going to do that off the dribble. Like it's a and, it's an off the dribble league, man. And, and as a reminder, that that's not how Porzingis really played. I thought last season we're all a little tinted Agreed. by the way he played <laughs> against the Clippers. And I think that was it was sound logic. If they're gonna put the best perimeter defender, Kawhi Leonard, on your you know on this player on Kristaps, I, I don't know what choice you have. Like posting him up against Kawhi Leonard is not going to be better offense than putting him in the corner. The Clippers made a decision, and the Mavericks reacted Care who to you it. And I think they, up against. Yeah, and I think they, I think they've reacted it to the right way. Now, Kristaps averaged twenty points last year. He he did have a lot of of, of post ups. Now they they tended to be deeper. They tended to be uh, better better positions. They tended to be open mid rangers, not stuff he was creating for himself. Now, you know, the one obvious difference from last season, the way he played in New York, is he was doing a lot less creation for himself. Almost all of his buckets. Uh, made field goals, and, and this is usually the best indicator. Although this doesn't really include shots he missed, but but almost all of his made field goals were were assisted to a higher degree, a higher share than uh, ever in in New York, and even his first season here. Um, you know, even when when he did get chances to create his own shot, he you know he missed some of those. So that's why his assist rate is going to be even higher. Like he's not a good creator of his own shot. So if he gets the chance to do that more under Jason Kidd. I'm open to it, but if we get 10, 20 games into the season, he's not any more effective at it. I think exactly. that's the issue. But 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 I would say that the the comments well, themselves do not inherently scare me. I, I think we're just no. all very still stilted by that Clipper series. That is not how he played. That is not how he no. played that season. Yeah. No, but I think that's it one matchup. It's one matchup, but it clearly left a bad taste in his mouth. And that's what you sort of worry about is that, okay, if we get to 30 games into the season, this is not working, and there has to be more of a peripheral role, how is he going to handle that? You kind of have to try right. something new with a new coach, right? This is as much if Rick Carlisle were, st were still here, we probably aren't talking in the same way about this. But what's the theme of this offseason? New Mavs, new era, new start. Of course you have to try to reboot Christoph Porzingis as part of that. At least pay lip service to it. At least try it. The question is going to be, A, how long do you go with that tack if it isn't working? And B, what happens then if you have to change it up? Hopefully they don't get to that point, right? The ideal scenario is Kristaps Porzingis looks like well, a multidimensional threat again. But if that doesn't happen, they better be prepared to pivot and they better be prepared for the fact that he's not going to like being pushed into a more peripheral role. The, the only other way that you can accomplish this, getting the ball out of his hands, is like a Steph Curry-style offense that's based on motion. I'm sorry, man, but Luka Doncic is not a motion player. Like, he's not an, a movement shooter. He's not a guy who you want to, like, you're not going to, like, have him give up the ball and then relocate to the corner really fast. He's not coming off screens. It's not the player that he is. And, by the way, he is, uh, I believe, on Seth Partnow's tiers. He was tier two. Is that correct? Like, this is like a guy who is 
poised to be one of the best players in the league pretty soon. He's going to be an MVP candidate. Like this is a guy that under the current rules is playing the way that you sort of want him to play with the roster the way it is. I mean, he he is going to maximize the effectiveness of everyone on the court in a way that no one else can do it. So if you, you know, I, I hear all these complaints about, all right, well, we need him to be a better playmaker. And it's easy to say that because you watch him play. The truth of the matter is, you didn't go get another guy that can make plays, so it's his job. Right. Be happy that you got him. Right. And and look, Luka Doncic on the floor, running offense, will not functionally be okay with an offense that is not as good as he thinks it can be if he just uses the ball more. Like, I'm sorry, you're not going to coach that out of him, and you're not going to tell him he can't do that when, you know, a, a different idea or a different game plan um, – you know, that that the Mavericks are using or thinking about or talking about, like he will make sure this offense is hyper engineered to score buckets as well as he can. And you will not stop him from doing that. You shouldn't want to. And I, I truly I don't think they do. Um, but he's going to make sure of that. I, I think the only the only way coaching impacts that is the lineups that are being played. But in terms of what is happening on the court, it will be Luca dominating the ball just as he always does. Especially if he doesn't trust, you know, teammates around him uh, to to create his own shot. He does trust teammates, absolutely, but he trusts them when he has the ball in his hands. And I think we're still going to, you know, I just don't have a lot of, you know, nagging concerns that all of a sudden the offense is going to take tank um, because they're going to try to do something dramatically different. Uh, Luca won't let that happen, you know, yeah, I, like it can only ever be so bad. It really right. like. Last year, they were so discombobulated in so many ways, and they finished, what, eighth, I think, in, in offense by the end of the year? Right. It's just, when you they have someone shoot. that good. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't shoot. The big offseason acquisition was a bust. They had a health scare. They had a winter storm. Their two best players weren't ready for the season. They still finished eighth. All right? When you have yeah. someone that transcendent, it can only ever be so bad. Now, postseason is a different ball game. obviously. That's that's the the name of the game around here. But, yeah. It's going to be a really good regular season offense, and then we'll see what happens in April. And, and we're also taking the most pessimistic view of those comments. I I, I don't think yeah. that saying that Chris Stapps is going to get more freedom by any means indicates that a very smart coaching staff, uh, certainly assistants on up, uh, Jason Kidd is not proven, but I think his assistants are all um, more than capable in their roles. I, I, you know, I generally think that there's a lot of smart people in Dallas I think that it's pretty pretty effing clear that they know that just throwing the ball to Kristaps with a, you know, Kawhi Leonard or, you know, just even an average post defender behind him, that's not the future of this team, and that's not the way, best way to get the most points out of this offense. I think they know that. I, I think they absolutely know that. And, and so even while we take the most pessimistic view, um, I'm just I'm just even pushing back against that, and, and I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. And I do think something that we haven't mentioned yet is that, you know, Porzingis being healthy right now at the end of September, right? Heading into camp. Mm -hmm. It's been a while. It's been a while. So they're going to get a little bit of a bump, I think, just from him being healthy. I mean, the last time we saw that was, what, February of 2020? Is that right? Right before the shutdown? And he looked fantastic for that whole month. And I keep going back to... You know, that was right around the time he had rounded into form and he had that great six weeks leading up to the shutdown. And then he came, they came back in the bubble, never really looked right, had the knee issue. And then 
hasn't really looked right since. He started to look a little bit better, I thought, down the stretch of this season, but never looked functionally uh, like his movement did not look right uh, on defense at all the entire Actually, season, even in the playoffs. Until, I would say, until maybe the second round of the playoffs, I thought he moved a little bit better. But it, it's still, you know, it's not what we what we know he could do. Right, like we know that he can actually protect the rim a little bit better than he can. He's got a little bit of that backline uh, mobility um, under normal circumstances when he's healthy. So I'm excited to see what kind of internal improvement they get just from a healthy Porzingis. I, I think I think he's going to be really good. I, I think I think that he will hit another level. Uh, for the for the record, I, I might have misheard you, but KP in the bubble was I think as good as we've seen him in Dallas yeah, until he got hurt offensively. No, no, until, until he got, he got hurt. Until he got hurt. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, and. If that is, if he can replicate, you know, not even hit the same highs, but if he can sort of be that mid range shooter, let him take mid rangers. Absolutely. Right. This is, this is, this is a, this is not some crusade against preventing KP from taking shots he likes to take. It's a crusade against making sure he doesn't take shots that are not efficient and not good for the offense as compared to what else they can get. And so if he's that type of shooter again, and for whatever reason it clicks into place, by all means, that both opens up the team in a different, unique way that I think, you know, if you're a fan, then you should be rooting for that. And and absolutely, like like this is this is a this is a numbers based argument. And if the numbers change, the argument changes. You know, there's there's no argument that direction anymore. Like it's it's an it's an argument that that he can open up and, and take those shots. So I I am uh, I am during the last yeah. year was a down year for him from mid range. And and again, I I will point right back to that physical stuff. That yep. little step-in jumper just was not there for him in the way that it has been in years past. And the deep the deep three. I mean, how, how long do we see him trying to just find the range, right? You know, Agreed. too Agreed. often it was long or short. And he was never amazing in New York, but he was better. He's certainly always been a better, honestly, a better jump shooter uh, in New York every single season. And so... Uh, outside of outside of those spurts that we described at the end of uh, the the nineteen twenty season and in the bubble, yeah. It, Let's talk a about that. Oh, I was just going to say before we wrap that up. I, I do think this is worth the only sport in America that has had a full normal season after a weird COVID season is Major League Baseball. And one of the defining moment, one of the defining patterns we're seeing is that there's a there was a lot of noisy data. If you watched, there were some guys who struggled and looked fantastic in a normal season. There were some guys who were red hot in a short season and just cratered. There were so many variables on this unusual timeline because athletes are creatures of habit. They're creatures of routine. And you threw off every bit of routine they've ever had, made them play more games in less of a time period. It's going to – some guys will be fine, but some won't. I think there's a lot of stuff. And I think more than anybody else on this roster with Porzingis, I think you, we just saw the worst case scenario. I don't think it can get worse than what we just saw. And it wasn't even that bad, right? For all the, for all the hand wringing about it, he still had a productive year, but I do think that ultimately there are so many factors lining up between just a new coach, a new system, but more time, physical recovery. And the fact that God, he's not going to play a season this condensed where he's this unprepared ever again. I think there's only upside coming for him. It's just a matter of how much of it he realizes. And the answer is going to determine a lot of this team's trajectory. Let's flip very briefly to Frankie Smokes. Does anybody, I, I don't really. One of my favorite guys. Oh, uh, yeah, seriously. I, one of my favorite guys. I, love, I don't have any hugely uh, strong opinions about him other than it looks like he's going to be rostered. Like, like he, he's not just mm-hmm. a training camp, like, like toss it out there just, just to see signing. And so very curious if uh, y'all have brief thoughts. 
Well, I wonder if we'll get some FIBA, Frank. That, that'll be interesting if we get, get to see him uh, showing a little bit of freedom on the ball. He's not very good. I mean, actually, no. Let me, let me rephrase this correctly. He's a bad offensive player because not very good is not accurate. He's bad. <laughs> he's a good defender, though. Yes. And he's versatile defender. And he's going to be good for this team who didn't have a guy like that, right? Like there was no okay, guy spot that up shooter, you could just though, right? say. Mm, I mean, he had a look, tiny that, sample last year. We started making them, yeah, but it was so You don't small. shoot enough. You can't say it, right? Like, no, that's, that's uh, he's totally a hesitant. Fair. He's still a hesitant shooter, and that's we've talked that so many times about worse volume, than a bad one. Vol- mm-hmm. Volume matters more than than how much you make. Yeah, yeah. Brun- uh, Jalen Brunson got better last year just by shooting more threes. So you know, w- with Frank, it's going to be a guy that you know you're going to be able to put him on one of the guards on the other team. Uh, if you need a stop and they, and they just didn't have that guy. And I know like situational subs like that are pretty rare in the NBA, but Jason Kidd might be a guy who uses it more than, than we expect. And, and so maybe he's a guy who winds up getting some pretty important defensive rotation minutes, but the offense is so bad. I, I just can't imagine he's really going to break into rotation. Maybe, maybe he has a great year. I don't know, but I mean, the 30, nice part 30 is- seconds on Frank, Mike. Yeah, the, the nice part is the contract structure is all upside, right? It's minimum with the team option. If he's good, great. You you keep him around, then you get early bird rights. If he sucks, you get rid of him, whatever. I do think this is the first test of, you know, like we talked about before, new regime means you don't know what they're good at or what they're bad at. One of the old skills that this team proved for really for 15 years was that they were very good at taking other teams' cast-offs and turning them into useful little rotation players. Frank isn't a referendum on that. If he doesn't become one, that doesn't mean that this new regime doesn't have that skill. But he'd be an interesting test, right? If you could turn Frank into a nice little piece, and Lord knows he's got talent, right? Former top 10 pick. Uh, that's a nice little feather in their cap, and he could be a piece to keep around going forward on their terms. So I, I love it. All upside, no downside. I also just love a love an athlete named Frank. Just, it you, doesn't, know, you know what his middle feel... name is? You know what oh, Frank's? What is it? Brian. Frank oh. Brian Nilakina. That's incredible. That's incredible. There's some names that just don't feel athletic. Like, like uh, I saw someone tweet this, that, that Julian. Julian is not an athletic name. I don't, I don't think Frank's really, maybe, maybe a little bit more, but, uh, but he clearly is. And, and I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how, see how that goes. Uh, to close out the podcast, I want to talk just for a second about Bob, who was confirmed to not be with the Mavericks anymore. Bob Volgaris, of course. <coughs> I don't like really want to talk about it. He's not with the team anymore and I don't want to dwell on it. And I, I do feel like it's responsible for me to just address it given my role and uh, the way the summer shaped out the, the story I published. Um, I can confirm what Bob tweeted. Um, you know, I was told that he was under contract that Cuban didn't let him out of. Um, and, and I think, I think he, he was potentially interested in viewing for interviewing for other teams. Um, that's something he wasn't able to do because he remained under contract. I don't think he wanted to return to the Mavericks. I, I, when I wrote the story, when I reported the story, which took months, I had trouble finding Mavericks employees who wanted to defend him. Uh, you know, when 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 I when I did reach out, and I, I you know, if if that many people dislike you at the workplace where you are, I, I think it's understandable that you wouldn't want to come back. Um, I, I think that we very clearly know he can be abrasive and, and rub people the wrong way, um, kind of with the sanctity in which he describes and holds his basketball opinions. Um, you know, on the flip side, I've, I've had people tell me about lovely, lovely conversations they've had with him about basketball theory, about jazz, you know, just about life in general. Um, once again, I think the main issue was the lack of definition in his role. 
and the way that he was perceived correctly to be superseding other people who should have had more of a voice or uh, certainly at least believe they should have had more, more of a vo- voice. And when you set up a team in that way, um, a, a front office in that way, I should even say, a, a job, a business, a, a power structure in that way, um, it, it's going to lead to unhealthy, bad results. And that was on Mark Cuban because Bob was Mark Cuban's hire and Mark P- Cuban's um, go-to and in in a lot of ways, and so I I, I think that's really all, all I all I want to kind of sum that up with. Um, but it, it, yes, he's no longer with the team, and I don't think that after the summer there was really ever any concern or belief that he would be. Yeah, I think that sums it up, right? I mean, it, it's worth noting that you know, like you said, there were just because we couldn't find those interactions for the story doesn't mean they weren't there. And inevitably on a basketball standpoint, the nature of any team is that they're going to try to keep all of their data analytics, all their proprietary stuff under cloak and dagger. So there are almost certainly, I bet my life that there were wins that Bob had in that organization ways. He made it better. We'll never know about because that stuff didn't leak. The reality is just, and I wrote this last week over D, but just, uh, you know, whether or not he wanted to be back or not, you couldn't bring him back if you're going to start over and you know turn the turn over a new leaf, right? Because when Bob, who kept a low profile of his own volition a lot of the time, and then working a job where you're, it's never going to be public. The only narrative that ever really could exist was what people leaked, and so as a result, and from the story that you know we stand by in terms of, I edited that piece. I know the the work we put in, you know, the sourcing you got, we stand by it. But it doesn't change the fact that invariably when a story like that comes out, true or not, that's the only – and Bob doesn't want to talk to say anything to the contrary. That's the only narrative of Bob and Dallas. That's it. And if your whole – if the story you're selling as an organization is we are doing you know something new, this is a new era of Mavericks basketball, whether Bob wanted to be back or not, you just kind of can't have him around. And it seems like he didn't want to be around. So kind of – that's just the way it is. I'm sure there were things that he did that made things better. It seemed you know he did tweet that he enjoyed his time here overall. So, you know, we'll see what the next chapter holds for him. And, and we wrote in that story, I, I feel like people missed it or, or glossed over it. His influence dated back before his official hiring in 2018. That That's right. in the story. Yeah. Um, and, and it's absolutely true. And he was a voice in the room that wanted to draft Luka Doncic. And I, you know, I, I can't tell you exactly, you know, everybody who was in the room and what their feelings were. Um I, I do know that there were surprise. Uh, there was surprisingly fewer number of people who were just sold as Luca. Obviously, number one, he's our only person we're gunning for. Um, but between Bob and and Donnie, and Donnie was absolutely someone who also felt that way. Um, I, I I think that it, it's clear that their influences, to whatever degree, each person had an influence on the draft and ultimately on Cuban that night it is very clear that their influences won out and clearly, clearly they, they, uh, they were right. You know, like it's Luca, you know, we've, we've seen Good call, him fellas. and yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Congratulations. You know what? It's, it's, it's pretty damn sorry, good man, that, uh, I... that they, that they were there because it's just... that was the no brainer decision. Um, yeah, a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people in Every sphere of basketball influences in worlds overthought that one. Uh huh. Oh well, I mean, listen, they weren't whoever uh, 
with Dallas didn't have them number one. They weren't the only idiots out there on draft day because uh, Luca wound up going when <laughs> right. You know, like he's not playing in, as indeed. He's not playing in Sacramento. You know, uh, luckily Aiton yeah. Aiton has been really good too. Um, I mean, certainly not still as, a miss, still done, a huge done, miss. I, all right, I know, I, I know I you're get not saying that, otherwise. But I also can at least justify, like, all yeah. right, well, hey, man, they got a pretty nice player. And and maybe Bagley would have had a different career if he hadn't gotten hurt. But, man, yeah, the, who could I, – I, I just – at this point, it, it's – I don't think we can put that as a feather in your cap. I think it's more like a detriment if it was a miss for you than a win if you got it right. Uh, I just, You know, that's my real only takeaway on this entire thing. Um, and, and I did see – I guess that he said that he wasn't going to be nearly as critical now about coaching because he realizes mm. it's not black and white, which is such a funny thing to, you know, like you shouldn't have to work in an NBA front office to realize that it's not black and white. I mean, like, you know, we talk a lot about uh, Giannis and, and the stuff he does at the top of the key where he gets into his bag. Well, hey, man, that's Giannis. You can't you're not coaching that out. If Giannis wants to do it, he's doing it. And so you can't micromanage or you can't do the Monday morning quarterback on every single decision for an NBA team because guess what? There's only one ball and five players. One guy is just going to do what he wants sometimes. That's how it is. That's fair. Well, I wanted to be fair. I wanted to be transparent um, given given my role in it, like I said. And uh, so I'm glad we addressed it. But also, you know, he is not employed by the Mavericks. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, had a, I've had an entire journalistic basketball career long before I published that story and uh got plenty of years ahead of me like that that story you know I I understand the the jokes and the 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 Twitter reactions and all that but uh that story to me is 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 hardly defining of of kind of what I do so I'm excited to be able to move on and we've got a whole season in front of us and we'll be talking about it because that's what we do we'll see you guys here probably in two weeks see ya don't fight the future, please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Oh Let's go home. It's a wrap, Doug. Man, that is a wrap. Woo!